By the time David writes that psalm, many theologians believing at the end of his career, at the end of his life, as he writes that psalm and he has accumulated so much power and grandeur on this earth, one is touched by the fact that everything in that psalm is not about him, it's about God. The Lord is mentioned over and over again. The Lord is my shepherd. He is the one who leads me beside still waters. He is the one who has restored peace to my soul for the 72 years that I've lived on this earth. He is the one who set a table before me in the presence of so many enemies over the years that I've lost count. He is the one that has poured oil over my head and my blessings beyond number. And he is the one who will lift me to heaven when I breathe my last on this earth. It was all about his Lord and nothing about him. The message is entitled, Living Simply. Two texts, 1 2 Corinthians 5.15. Listen carefully to the wording. It says, Christ died for all, so that those who live should no longer spend their time on this planet living for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. It does not say Christ died for all so that when we die, we can go to heaven. That is the most certain truth. 153 times in the Bible we are told there's life after this life. But this verse says, He died so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them on that cross. We live for Him. And then it's two verses later and we have the, the culmination of what he's saying in uh, 2 Corinthians 5. He says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And you sit and say, Apostle Paul, wh- what are you talking about? How do you have any right to make a statement like that? If there's anyone in the Bible who has a right to make a statement like that, is the Apostle Paul. Half of his life is spent persecuting Christians, rounding them up, bringing them back, torturing them, assenting to their deaths, and then going out for more. If there is anyone who understood being a new creature in Christ, the old having passed away, it is this man who writes these words. You can literally saying to him, you can hear him saying, look at my life. Look at what I was. When I become a Christian, the apostles don't want anything to do with me because they think I'm lying to them about coming to the faith. There's a great irony that he is blind for three days when he's riding to Damascus to find the Christians and finally Jesus says, I've had enough. This man has so much talent, I've had enough of him persecuting the church. I want him on my side. The Apostle Paul is not like Zacchaeus, 
I know I'm missing something. He's not like the woman at Sychar's well. I know I'm missing something. He's not like so many others in the Bible. He's not missing anything. He's on a roll. He's rounded up these Christians. The Sanhedrin has patted him on the back and sent him back out. I don't know if he has a bounty on their heads. He's on a roll. And all of a sudden it's God who stops him smack dab in his tracks. And he says, Paul, enough. And Paul says, who talking to me? And and Jesus says, I, Jesus, am talking with you. Did St. Paul change himself? No, he doesn't think there was anything wrong. Who changed him? If any man is invaded by Christ, he's a new creature. He cannot help but be a new creature. The old way of thinking and reasoning, the old way of dealing with life's circumstances, the fears and worries that we talked about in the opening confession, all of these things become changed. Why? Because you have a divine power at work in your life. And if there's any man in the history of the world, it is the Apostle Paul who says, look at me, because when you look at me, you see the power of him. Recycling. Fairly modern term. Emerging from man's concern about their environment. It's dealing with the remaking and reusing of materials formerly discarded after their time of service was done. It's a $10 billion industry in the United States of America. It's a $60 billion industry all over this world. Recycling. Bottles and glasses are collected. They're ground up. They're used in the paving of highways. Broken down machinery formerly left to rust in the spring rains and the winter snows. They are now gathered up, they are melted down, and they're fashioned into various instruments of value. Thanks to recycling, even your empty beer cans have a second chance of having a useful purpose in life. And here come the poets, and here comes the writers and the authors, and here comes the painters, and here come the sculptors, And they sit and say, if material things can be recycled, why cannot a human life be recycled? And you look at so many books that are written, 95% of them, I truly believe, they're being written about lives that were recycled. They were recycled. By human means. How nice the author's reason, the poet's reason. How nice if a life is misspent. If it could be completely revamped and made into a vessel of honor and service. Some try and recycle their lives by their own wits and cunning and sensitivities. Some change jobs, some change the places where they live. Some divorce, some remarry, some take 
classes at the local university or some class they find online. Some try the newest fad that society has brought forth and the publicists have innovated. But the movements and the change, they do not solve the problem. They cover it up for a little bit. It goes away for a little bit, but it doesn't change the problem. You need proof. You need proof. Your boss comes to you and says, your finest employee I've ever had. The review I'm giving you is the most sparkling one I've ever given anyone. The HR department told me, you need to tone it down a little bit. And I said to them, this person deserves every word of praise that I've written. What happens when you hear that? There is a satisfaction and a peace that comes among, uh, among you. How long does it last? It is a month later. And you're sitting there saying, is my job safe? I know what he said a month ago, but is he still thinking that way? He looked at me strangely today. What does that mean? You have your dream vacation. It's in Hawaii on Waikiki Beach. And you finally made it there after 10 years of saving up and you're sitting on the beach and you're saying uh, as you drink your Mai Tai, isn't this the greatest thing ever? And it's one hour later and something's creeping into your head. Something back home that you thought you are going to leave behind for two weeks. It creeps back into your head. And you're sitting there saying, I'm in Hawaii, get out of my head. Whatever it is, finances or health or relationships. How long does satisfaction last when it's coming from you? Your wits, your wisdom, and your cunning. How long does it last? She marries one guy for a period of time, peace. Then all of a sudden, the peace is gone. She marries a second guy. Peace comes for a while, then it's gone. She marries a third guy and a fourth guy and a fifth guy. And she's saying to herself, what's wrong with all these guys? She isn't looking at herself. She's saying, what's wrong with all these guys? There's got to be the right man out there for me. I'll try number six. And in the midst of that, she's going to a well. And she bumps into someone at the well, small village, Sychar, 12 miles from Jerusalem. And she bumps into somebody at the well, and Jesus says, you have an emptiness in you. And you have tried to solve it by yourself. My dear lady, it'll never work. She says, what will work? He said, I will work. If you drink the water I have to offer, if you drink the water I have to offer, you will never thirst again. Can a life be recycled? Yes. Who is the operative? Jesus. Samson, David, the prostitute, the ten lepers, the twelve disciples. Who is the one who recycles their lives? Who is the one that changes them? 
It's Jesus, the same central figure in every one of their lives. Jesus. Luke 18, rich young ruler comes to Jesus, says to him, What was I do to inherit eternal life? Not asking you about my life down here, I'm asking you about eternal life. When he comes, he's got his entourage of 30 or 40 people. His robe is extraordinary. His jewelry on fingers and head is extraordinary. You can see his mansion in the distance on the hill. And he comes to Jesus and he says, What must I do to have an everlasting life? I've got this life covered, Jesus. You give me some advice, I'll give you some advice. You're here in sandals and a torn robe, and I am the cream of the crop. I got this life handled, and Jesus said to him in so many words, you do not have this life handled. You've got all of this stuff, and you wake up in the morning and you say, what if I lose it? You wake up in the morning and say, you know, I've not been feeling too well lately. Have I contracted some disease? He wakes up in the morning and he wonders if some enemy from outside or from some enemy from inside his court is going to take away all that he has garnered. Jesus said to him, I know you better than you know yourself. You think your wealth has given you a life on this earth. It hasn't. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. And when you take away that idol... With your charisma, with your passion, you'll do fine. You'll follow me. you become one of my greatest disciples ever. And the man looked at Jesus and the Bible says in all three gospel accounts, he walked away sadly because he had great wealth. The Bible says Jesus looked at him and he loved him and he shook his head sadly and he turned to his disciples and he said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom. And the disciples said, oh my goodness gracious, who then can be saved? What did Jesus say? He said, with man it is not possible, but with God all things are possible. It didn't take God very long. It took him one more chapter, Luke chapter 19. Here comes the identical human being. His name is Zacchaeus. He's as wealthy as a rich young ruler. He has made his wealth garnering money for the rich young ruler and stuffing a whole lot of it into his own pockets. Unlike the rich young ruler, he said, I have all this wealth, but it does nothing for me. He didn't say to Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? He said, Jesus, help me with my life right now. Help me with my life right now. And they come together That evening in Zacchaeus' house. And I don't know whether he broke bread. I don't know whether he shared communion with Zacchaeus. Take, eat, this is my body. Take, drink, this is my blood. I know something happened. 
like it happened to the Emmaus disciples. Something happened to Zacchaeus and he comes out of that house and his life, one chapter after the rich young ruler, his life has changed. Why? Because that evening in that house, he didn't just ingest food, he ingested the Lord Jesus Christ. And he walks out onto the front porch of that mansion and they gather around and he says, I'm going to give half of my, of my property to the poor. And there's a whole bunch of you that I cheated you out of money. I've got written records of it and I'm going to look through the records and I'll pay you back fourfold for what I took from you. Can a human life be recycled? And the answer is the loudest yes that you can evoke at 8 a.m. in the morning. Can a life be recycled? The answer is yes. Jeremiah 18.4 It said the master potter was working on a vessel of clay. And something happened. Maybe a dust storm came and blew something into the clay. Or maybe a, a fly was buzzing around his head and he swatted the fly with his right hand and his left hand was in the clay. The master potter was forming a vessel of clay and the vessel became marred in his hand. And what did he do when the vessel became marred in his hand? Did he say, this is a waste now? Did he throw the vessel away? Jeremiah makes it very clear that he didn't throw the vessel away. He kept working on it, reshaped it into a form as seemed best to him. He didn't throw the vessel away. Here is Zacchaeus. Does he throw Zacchaeus away? No. Here are his disciples that run away when he's captured. Does he throw them away? No. Here is Simon Peter, his right-hand man. I don't know who Jesus is. Does Jesus throw him away? Does he throw anyone away in this Bible? And the answer is no. He reshapes them. He didn't throw Samson away in the five minutes before Samson dies. God comes at Samson's request and his power is restored. When David becomes recycled, he becomes a writer of psalms. These psalms that touch thousands and millions of lives written by David because God didn't throw away that clay he reshaped it into a psalm writer. And if you look at the psalms that David wrote, so many of them after his sin and after his forgiveness, they wouldn't be in here. You might have 25 psalms if God had thrown David away. Does he throw us away? I mentioned Goliath two weeks ago. This is not the Goliath of illness, finances, or relationships. 
This is the Goliath of past sins. Just before I left on vacation, visited a man who was dying, and sure enough, when everyone left the room, Pastor, I'm afraid to meet God. Why? Because of a sin that I'm going to share with you that has haunted me for 27 years. And I said to him, God never threw anyone away in the Bible. He has never thrown you away. You still believe in him. You've confessed the sin. God forgave it 27 years ago. He will say to you when you come to heaven, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Is there anyone who doesn't fail? No. Is there anyone who never sins? No. Does God forgive? Yes. And our lives are recycled for His purpose. The summer is half over. You're so busy. You're surrounded by so many people. You don't sleep well during the summer. There is still time to be loving and kind and patient. There's still time to not bypass the man standing there by McDonald's wondering if you can give him a dollar or two. There's still time. Closing word. Up in Minnesota, coming back from Minnesota this past week, Connie goes in to use the facilities at the rest stop and I'm sitting in my car. And all of a sudden I get a leg cramp. And I open up the car door and trying to stretch out my leg. And there is some lady parked two cars down. And she comes running as fast as she can to me. And she said, are you alright? Are you alright? Can I help you? Do you need anything? And I said, no, no, I'm fine. And then I said to her, you're about the kindest person I have met in a long, long time. What would prompt you to get out of your car to help a total stranger? And she said, my Lord prompts me. I got goosebumps then, and I got goosebumps right now. At that moment, the kingdom of God had come by that wayside rest. Can God recycle your life? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Doesn't throw away the clay. Forgives the clay. 
reshapes it to serve him, to serve others, and to bring to yourself peace in our Savior's name. Amen. Heavenly Father, but another portion of your word, the lives therein, may your spirit take hold of these stories, these lessons, these doctrines. May your spirit take hold of these things, and may they find a way into our hearts. And when they're in our heart, may they not leave. May they become as much of an anchor in our hearts is as the one who changes us, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And Heavenly Father, continue to bless that lady at that rest stop. Continue to bless that lady as she touches other lives for her Lord and Savior. Keep us close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.